Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast with Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou. This is the post-trade deadline 2021 uh, reaction podcast, I guess. And joining me to uh, break down the, the three moves that happened, but also most importantly, the one big move that didn't happen are honestly the, the top two guests of this podcast. We have uh, Big V and Big V2. Big V, first off, let's, let's start with you, man. CBCV, what's going on? <laughs> Nothing much, man. It's been it's been a roller coaster day. Like, mm. I w- I don't know if you guys felt this, but because like the Kawhi stuff, like when Kawhi got traded to Toronto, that happened at like four a.m. or whatever. Yeah. So I set my alarm for like six a.m. because I was like, I don't know when this is gonna go down. I want to be ready, and that's the earliest I've woken up like pretty much the entire pandemic. Like I, <laughs> and then. And then 3 p.m. was like the worst because nothing was happening, but the Raptors had cleared the roster spots. And so you're just kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. And, and then finally at 3.15, Woj is like, Kyle is staying a Raptor. And it's like, all right, we can breathe again. Yeah. Uh, Big V2, a.k.a. Um, Alex Wong. Alex, you're, you're back on the pod for two straight days. What's going on? Are you down bad? Like, what? What is this? By the way, people, <laughs> Alex tuned in to the Zoom call, the media Zoom call. Uh, there's usually about like 40 people in there and they're the usual people you expect. Alex, you know, is not always there, but uh, just tune in today just for fun, not even for reporting purposes, just for fun. Alex, man, what's what's going on in life? You all right? Listen, man, any, anytime I hear that Masai Ujiri is going to speak, I, I need to tap in and, and just take a look at how Masai is doing and, and try to figure out what he's saying. And, and, you know, I appreciate the invite back to the podcast um you know i'm trying i'm trying to go uh three three games in four nights with you if we can do it you know so send me the link to the react pod tomorrow uh and, and we'll do that as well yeah I, I figured to invite you on the pod just so that you didn't have to wait to listen like you could just like <laughs> hear it live should, the way you did with Masai. <laughs> i should just sit here and just let you and v talk <laughs> real ones know will you know this this is what i used to do at the score when you used to record pound the rock i would literally sit in that room and listen to you guys record the podcast yeah alex yeah, hopped I- on the zoom so he could be like i'm not wasting this 30 second delay on sportsnet i'm gonna <laughs> tune in right now that's crazy, no that's bro. no i just wanted to see it i didn't want to follow uh off eric kareen or josh lewinberg's tweets today you know i wanted to listen for myself and, you know, yeah. it's it's always great to hear Masai. Honestly, you know, Masai is the master of, you know, being very eloquent in, in discussing any topic, but also like being uh, playing it very close, close to uh, to his chest, like in terms of not revealing anything. Right. Like, I don't mm-hmm, know. Yeah. Like, did you guys take anything away from from that besides maybe a little bit of pessimism about him being here next year? No, <laughs> that's well. the tangible thing he said was. He has not signed a deal, and they'll figure it out after the season. Um, so curious to see how that goes. Hopefully, I mean, look, listen, we, as we just seen with this negotiation, 
with Kyle Lowry being on the market, Masai is willing to go down to the final last minute and still say nothing and still walk away. <laughs> so, you know, that that probably is going to be a um, foreshadowing, at least in, the, in, in terms of how he's going to approach his free agency. But, but he has to be. But. but he has to be the first domino this summer. Like they need to figure out exactly what whether he's going to be no, here. We or said not this about him last anything. summer, man. Do we said this last no, but, summer? We were like, Masai should sign first. Then you got to figure out Fred. Then you got to figure out Serge. One of Serge or Mark, and then you run it back. And it didn't do. No, that. but he's but he's either got to have a contract or not by the time like the draft and the free agency stuff opens this time, because otherwise he's gone. So he has to be the first piece this time. Either he's staying or oh. going. Yeah, I'm with Alex on that. I think that makes sense because. Yeah, last year, at least you knew there was like a final year to go into. And that's when he was like, oh, we'll take care of everyone else and then we can get to me. And now he's like, okay, we'll get to the off season. And now it's like, okay, mm. but when we get to the off season, <laughs> you're going to be number one. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the reasoning before is like, well, there's things to do. There's things to plan for. Now that the trade deadline's over, NCAA is still happening, but that's going to be over by the end of the month. Um, you know, it's a lot of time. There's a lot of time. Maybe call up Larry, you know, uh, get that contract done. To be honest, the Masai contract negotiation thing is, yeah, he said very little about it, even though he was asked very directly uh, by two reporters at the Toronto Sun. And, you know, Masai, in, in classic fashion, didn't say much about it. In terms of the actual moves, so it feels like most of the focus was on Kyle not getting traded, which is such a weird place to be at. Um, you know, Alex, we've already talked about this. So V, I asked you, like, how likely did you think it was that Kyle had played his last game as a Raptor when he walked off the floor as a plus 42 against Denver? I still thought it was 50, 50. Cause okay. I, I thought some of what Masai said today was going to play into it where they were going to have the bias and they were going to maintain a stronghold in terms of what they thought was fair value for Kyle. And like we had seen some of this stuff earlier as well, right? Like the heat not being uh, willing to include Tyler Harrow in the deal, uh, what Philly was being able to give up. And so I thought unless those teams actually like chomped at the bit, I don't think it was going to happen. And I think Miami is within their rights because of the fact that they'll have cap space in the off, spe- off season and they obviously had a plan B in Victor Oladipo. Philly, I am surprised that they backed out as soon as they did and moved on to George Hill. Uh, especially, you know, the way Daryl Morey... George Hill. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, And, and the way Daryl Morey sells himself and, you know, always talks about, yeah, you got to go all in, it's an arms race and all that. You figure he would have seized on the opportunity, especially after missing out on James Harden. But yeah, so unless, you know, other teams were willing to bend the knee and give Masai and Bobby what they wanted, uh, it wasn't going to happen. So yeah, I I thought it was like 50-50 still. Yeah, George Hill is uh, 34 years old and 325 days. So he's about to turn 35 soon as well, which if you're going to say Kyle's too old, we don't want to give up pieces. I mean... I just don't understand why teams keep trading for George Hill with like real playoff like aspirations. Like, how does when has that worked out? Did it work out for Miami? Did it work out for Cleveland? Did it really work out for you know Utah? Even you know like it, he's not he's not <laughs> some sort of like yo we get George Hill it's over like no you get George Hill and you get George Hill 
And yeah, I, I too am surprised that Mori didn't go for it, uh, especially with the window obviously being uh, pretty open for the Sixers this season. But I can also see sort of maybe with Kyle there, if he gets $25 million, that's going to get expensive. I mean, the Heat one is surprising to me. I really thought that the Heat would finally go for it, but it seems like the Heat had Victor Oladipo in their back pocket. Mm-hmm. And what did they even get for Victor Oladipo, um, the Rockets? Because it seems like they got Avery Bradley, um, Kelly Olenek, and some seconds. Like, Yeah, like why didn't they there. just keep Karis LeVert? Yo, because hey, Tillman Fertitta's their owner, man. Why did they keep Ben Simmons? They could have had Ben Simmons, man. They made all these complicated, like, three-way, four-way deals just mm-hmm. to get Oladipo and then to flip them for what? For some Canadian content? They got Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and a 2022 first-round swap rights. Well, not even an additional pick, just swap <laughs> rights. And why would the Rockets need to swap picks with the Miami Heat of 2022? Like, no matter what happens in, in, in Houston or even Miami, Miami's going to be ahead of them. So that's tough, man. That's a, that's a tough look. But, okay, so, Alex, let's go back to this then. Why didn't some of these teams pay up for Kyle Lowry? Do you think it is a case where Masai was demanding too much? Or do you think it was a case of these teams didn't fully see the value? Or do you think it was just sort of these teams clearly had plan Bs that they were comfortable going to? so that they were never really going to go all the way for plan A. Yeah, you know, I know you love to bring me on for cop-out answers like this. You know, I think it's a little bit of both, uh, William mm, Liu. Wow. No, I, I think, <laughs> you know, if you look at Philly and, and Miami kind of separately. A little bit of a messiah over here, damn. <laughs> yeah, that's why, I t- that's why I tapped into the Zoom to get some pointers. Um, you know, clearly, like, I think Masai and Bobby set a particular price. And they weren't willing, they weren't going to do the thing where, you know, we're going to wait till 3 p.m. And whatever the best offer is at that point, like, we're just going to take it. Um, And it seems like the Sixers moved off Kyle pretty early, you know, once they got George Hill, even though they could have still swung the deal, it seemed like they were moved on. And Miami obviously was never willing to put Tyler Hero uh, into the trade. And even if, even if they put in Hero or like Tyrese Maxey, I get these guys are, are appealing young guys. And I know we talked about it yesterday too, but like it wasn't like these were like the most appealing offers. Right. Um, and I think Miami probably thinks they can sign Kyle outright this summer if they mm-hmm. want. And Philly probably is thinking that, you know, we like our team. We like where we're at. And they didn't value Kyle clearly in the same way that I think a lot of people view Kyle. Um, and I think at the end of the day, that just comes down to it. And I think the Sixers, especially, I think they're going to regret not getting Kyle. Um, you, you know, you, from a Raptors perspective, you look at what they did two years ago at the deadline when they got Marcus Ole. Like, you have to pay a price to get whoever you think is that final piece. And yeah. I don't think if the reports out there are true, whatever the Raptors asking price of the Sixers were was unrealistic. Like, you're getting a guy who's going to, like, actually vault you into the real championship conversation. So you have to pay a price. And they weren't able, you know, they weren't willing to pay it. So it is what it is. I think part of this too is I I, I don't know that Daryl Morey is being really real with his, about his team, and like I know he says he likes his team a lot, but I would not consider them favorites in a series against Brooklyn. I would nope. not you know, consider them favorites against Milwaukee. Like, mm, okay, I, I think that's a fifty fifty call, and so. 
Yeah. When you look at those series potentially playing out, you add a Kyle Lowry to the mix, all of a sudden it changes the outlook because he fits into what they need so perfectly. And Kyle so- swings Kyle swings both of those series. Like I'm not saying yeah. they beat Brooklyn just because of Kyle, but to me that's a seven game series. Yeah, the narrative of Kyle that series again. completely shifts. Yeah, and it's funny to me too because Daryl's the guy who's famously been like, if you have a 5% chance to win a championship, you always have to go for it. And he was like forever going for it in Houston, uh, making all these different moves. This, I don't think even would have ranked, like you think about how many draft picks this man gave up for like Russell Westbrook. And I know some of that might've been like Tillman Fertitta driven, but like, I don't even think the price they were asking for Kyle was that unfair, especially since like Kyle's not a rental. Like he's still going to be a great player next year. So once you get him in and you have his bird rights, you're trading not just for four months of Kyle. Like you can make that commitment to him. And I feel like Daryl's smart enough to know that if Kyle wanted like a two-year deal for, I don't know what it is, like two-year 50 million after this season, I feel like that's a reasonable price to pay to, to bring Kyle in for what Masai was asking. Yeah, I mean, the issue is Daryl Morey is like the Malcolm Gladwell of the NBA. Um, like you'll, you'll hear something nicer like oh man if you got a five percent chance you got to go all in or whatever it sounds nice like yo if you if you practice something for ten thousand hours you'll, you'll become an expert at it i'm like yeah no shit man <laughs> that's not wisdom that's not uh, let me see some results from what you're doing that's man. like you doing eight years of react pods yo bro i, I, I guess so i you know I, I guess that's that's enough no, if there's a five percent chance of the Raptors winning that game, I'm gonna react. To, I'm gonna do a react pod to it. No, I, I'm just I'm sick of Daryl Morey, man. Like all the regression, all that stuff. Like to be honest, this whole process really exposed um, just how little people value Kyle around the league, which I wasn't surprised by. But then when you read takes, some of them are hard to ignore. Like I literally saw one Sixers reporter say that I I'm not sure about trading for Kyle because I'm not sure he gives you more than what Danny Green gives you. And what? No. no, I'm serious. I'm, I will find the tweet. I will send it to you right now. This is a this real, isn't... like, blue check mark dude who has reported on things in the past. And that's what he said with his whole chest, which, you know, like, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is the thing. I, I, maybe teams <laughs> didn't really value it. I think teams obviously clearly were comfortable with going to their plan Bs. And I do think, honestly, in, in looking at it, the market for for Kyle probably dried up a little bit more than I think the Raptors anticipated. I think that's probably why you saw the Lakers get added in at the end. That seemed mm-hmm. kind of strange to me. You know what I mean? Like, how much do you buy, V, like, how much do you buy that Lakers package? And honestly, was that Lakers package even close to what Kyle would have been worth? Because you'd be taking on Dennis Schroeder, who's an impending free agent, you know, a couple of years of KCP, who's fine, but, like, whatever. And then Taylor Horn Tucker, who's about to become a free agent as well. And the fact that he plays the same position as Gary Trent. So, like, what were you really going to do with that package? That didn't even seem to make sense. And the Lakers still weren't even willing to give up that. So, you know. Yeah, no, what, I, what, I didn't like that deal at all. That, mm-hmm. that one, I think I think it was just, you know, the, the Lakers, maybe they're looking at, like, the LeBron and AD injuries and thinking they need another guy. But from Toronto's perspective, there's no way I think you expect you accept that. Even with Horton Tucker in it, I, I didn't like that one. Um, and then with Philly, I don't know, man. Like this is like you saying the Danny Green thing. That that's like when Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins were on the jump, and Richard Jefferson was like, I don't know how much of an upgrade Kyle Lowry is on Dennis Schroeder. Like, 
Come on, bro. I, I was watching that V. It's funny because, like, first of all, Kendrick Perkins' face is positioned so close to the camera. Yo, he always my. looks so angry. Yo, my head is big, but I make sure I sit far back from my desk. Like, Kendrick yo. is like, yo, he's yo. like that. It's like the weekend meme. He's like literally like 86% of the frame. No, Will, if you and Kendrick Perkins did like a video, like, they'd have to like invent a new aspect ratio. Like, that's yeah. what they would have to do. No, but- we're bringing back 4-3 four, four, aspect ratio just to get the squareness of our heads in there. But like, no, I'm totally with V. And the thing I wanted to ask you guys too is, listen, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, obviously are surprised that Kyle wasn't moved today. Um, but I also feel like like people need to be like, because I see a lot of people saying like, oh, wow, Masai really just punted an opportunity to get something for Kyle, which number one, I don't think is true because you can still do the sign and trade in the summer. And number two, the other thing for me is like, is there based on the final offers that we know came in from these teams, there's not a single player from those trade package packages where I'm losing sleep over. And saying, I cannot believe the Raptors didn't get that guy. Like, I'm perfectly happy going into the summer and seeing what they're going to do instead versus taking on some of these guys that I don't think they loved at all, including like the Lakers package. Well, I mean, if the Raptors really love these guys, they can, you know, go sign a Duncan Robinson or they can go mm-hmm. sign a Taylor Horton Tucker. You know what I mean? Like, those, yeah. those guys are like literally restricted free agents. Obviously, those teams can match, but it's, it's clear from the negotiations and how. A, they were made available or maybe not made available, but especially in the case of Miami, like they just got Victor Oladipo. He's going to become a free agent too. It doesn't totally make sense for them to to, to pay up and, and keep everybody. So um, I'm I'm a little surprised, honestly, quite honestly, that the packages weren't there. Maybe the urgency didn't really feel real to them. I will have to say, despite the fact that Miami is like a big buyer at the deadline, they're literally 500. They're 22 and 22. And they're currently playing right now. We'll see the outcome of that game. They're playing against the Blazers. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They might look back at it as a missed opportunity. The Sixers might look back at it as a missed opportunity. The Lakers, I don't think, realistically had that much of a – like, how much do you guys really like Tim Horn Tucker? I know he's not Tim Horn Tucker. I know, it's, I know it's Taylor, but, like, come on, bro. If he came to Canada, he would have changed his name. No, he like, would have been you guys nice, really like him? He, he, he would have been, like, a nice like piece, but, like, the package overall. Like, you're talking about, like, what, taking on KCP too, right? Um, and it's not just just picking up a young player. I think the Lakers were just getting a little greedy. I mean, they obviously have a nice team when they're healthy, and they just mm-hmm. want to see if they could cobble together these pieces along with Schroeder, who, who I guess is up for a new contract too, to, to see if they can get it. And like the other thing too is like the Raptors and Masai, they just operate differently from these other franchises. And I don't know if like Daryl and like Pat Riley just didn't realize that. Because I think if it was any other team, if you pick, like, I don't know, Charlotte, Sacramento, whoever it is, like, Kyle gets traded today, right? Like, Kyle gets oh, traded yeah, yeah. for whatever package is available. But Masai literally will just not make the trade if it's not good enough. And we all knew this going in, even though I think we're still a little surprised. Because I think a part a part of it, too, is, like, how much did Kyle want to go? Because you know this was obviously something that behind the scenes they talked about. So it wasn't like Kyle told them, like, I, I want to go. Like, it was one of those things where they agreed behind the scenes, if there was a good enough deal, you know, we'll keep you in the loop and we'll make the trade if it makes sense. It didn't make sense. And, you know, Kyle is staying and that's it. Yeah, I think with THT, I mean, he's a nice player, but he gets that Lakers hype, right? Like, mm. it's almost like this. he's this year's Alex Caruso. Like, Caruso is a nice player and he did well last year, but... 
he's he's not some star that they're going to make him out to be. So with, with Horton Tucker, I'm kind of the same way. I don't see the star potential. He's a nice player to have. And with Kyle Lowry overall, it was always going to be about the combination of picks and players, right? Like there, there was not one player from any team that you looked at and was like, oh my God, that's that's the one that makes the deal. The one thing I will say with regards to Miami, I do wonder if there's almost a little bit and maybe with the East in general, there's a little bit of, you know, that intimidation factor from Brooklyn. And mm, yeah, I, I and I just think, you know, you think about all those LeBron years where no one really wanted to go all in because they didn't really believe that they could, you know, take down LeBron with whether, whether it was the Heat and whether it was the Cavs. And so I oh, wonder... What do, you, what do you mean, man? We signed Tamari Carroll. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we Masai's, went had lo- Masai's had a lot of misses in free agency, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> so I, I wonder if on the real, Miami was just like, hey, even with Kyle Lowry, are we really, you know, good enough to win the championship? Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe that's part of why they I, I feel like on the flip side, though, V, it's like, I mean, they just went to the finals last year, and I know it was a weird season. And you've mm-hmm. got Jimmy, you've got Bam. And we know Pat Riley doesn't like to do any rebuilds or look that far into the future. Yeah. Like, for I was honestly surprised. And I know, Will, you're probably a little surprised too, because yesterday you seemed pretty convinced that Hero was going to end up, you know, being part of the final trade package. And it sounds like the Heat just never got there. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I feel like it's a combination, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. on some level, it's like, can we get to where we want to go right now with this yep. trade versus where are we if we just wait till the off season, use the cap space and then whatever else, like which version gives us a yeah. better window. And I think that's super fair. Cause that's literally what the Raptors decided to do today. <laughs> that's that's true. That <laughs> right? is true. And do you, do you think, so the Raptors keeping Kyle right now, does that mean that the Raptors are going to keep him on, a, on another deal? Right, there's rumors that he wanted like two years, fifty mil. To be honest, I can't really see the market for that now, especially considering if the teams that he wanted to go to were Philly, Miami, even the Lakers, for example. Um, none of these teams have cap space to offer him that kind of money. Maybe a sign and trade happens, but you know that's probably not going to be the case. Maybe Miami has money, depending on how they sort of finesse their cap room. They do have some expiring contracts and things like that, but they also have Victor Oladipo and some other guys to take care of. Duncan, maybe, potentially. Um, but in any case, do you think this means the Raptors keep Kyle, you know, for another two years beyond this, or at least keep him to a bigger contract beyond this? Uh, or do you think that this is sort of a precursor to a sign-and-trade where, okay, maybe the market's not great for him now, but in the offseason when teams are constructing their teams, uh, maybe they will offer more? Because if you look at the offseason, you got, like, Drew Holiday getting, like, you know, three picks plus two pick swaps and you know drew's younger than kyle but in terms of impact they're probably pretty similar yeah i feel like yeah this is a really interesting question i would probably say i lean towards a sign and trade in the offseason if not him just outright leaving for another team but i wouldn't rule out the possibility of the raptor saying hey Part of why we believe in not making a move right now is because we believe Kyle can maintain this level for another couple of seasons. And so 
you can still revisit trade possibilities the next trade trade deadline or the or the off season after that and so i wouldn't rule out that possibility where we're going through this circus a year from now yeah no this this might happen again i'm with v on this i think i think it's more likely that kyle kyle will leave um than then stay this off season whether it's it's the sign and trade or outright but i don't know if we got to start considering the fact too that like maybe kyle just wants to be in toronto I mean, <laughs> we've been trying to get rid of this man like so many different times and it seems like somehow they just always find a way to just stay together but it just goes back again to like all the things that have to happen this summer starting with Masai and then you have to think about what the Raptors are going to do because because from listening to Masai it does sound like all the options are on the table and it is going to be a pretty like wild summer I think for the Raptors because if they want to go full rebuild and start putting guys like Pascal on the table, they can do that if they want this summer. Um, mm-hmm. Or do, do they want to say, okay, Fred OG Pascal is our core. We've got Gary Trent, you know, restricted free agency. We control that. Um, and, you know, we've got Chris Boucher. That's five guys. Let's go out there, sign some free agents. And then is this a team that Kyle wants to be a part of to transition next? Um, I still think it's hard to get to a point where Kyle looks at, the Raptors from just a winning standpoint and competing for a championship standpoint and say that the Raptors are going to be the number one option this summer. But again, I think it's past the point of just wondering, like, I don't know, just because so many players have, um, you know, come and go and and not really, um, you know, valued being in Toronto. Um, But, but Kyle is a little different and I don't know at what point does that actually play a factor into Kyle's future. here. Here's the thing. I guess maybe I'm scarred from last summer. But the worst case scenario for me would be something scary like this, where the Raptors go into frenzy with Kyle. He's still a very productive player. The Raptors are willing to offer him this amount of money. Let's say it's like two years, 40, for example. And some other team who is, I don't know, let's say the Los Angeles Clippers uh, comes by and says, hey, we have the uh, mid-level, which I don't know if they actually could offer that considering they already signed Surge. But let's just say some kind of team like the Clippers who have a contending kind of uh, sheen to them and they want to offer the mid-level which is like you know 10 million obviously it's a lot less than what Kyle could be making just with the Raptors but Kyle says you know what I'm at a point in my career I've made close to 200 million dollars in my career which is wild uh, maybe I just want to add another ring to my resume and they walk like Serge does and in that situation you're going to feel pretty terrible and I think it's going to look a little bit bad on the front office because well, not a little bit. It's going to look pretty bad on the front office when they had all these veteran pieces essentially move um, without a return. Like, V, is, is that something that scares you? Is that something that crosses your mind now? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that's definitely a valid point. I mean, thankfully, they got a return on Norman Powell. We'll see uh, what happens with Gary Trent Jr. Obviously, I don't expect Rodney Hood to be a part of the team uh, for much longer. But... Yeah, with Kyle Lowry, you want to be able to facilitate some type of opportunity to transition into the next era. Because especially when you look at the roster right now, we see the lack of depth, right? And so you want to be able to address that if you can. And so maybe you get to a point where you say, hey, we're not able to get exactly what we want but it gets us a lot closer to where we want to be eventually. Yeah, I think that's interesting. But like to me, it sounds like by all accounts that Kyle wants one more big contract. 
Like he's he it doesn't seem like he he's actually looking to go that route in terms of, you know, surveying the landscape and taking less money. Um, I, I think Kyle thinks that he's still at, at a point where he can kind of get both, you know, have mm-hmm. a winning situation and get the contract that he thinks he, he deserves, because um, if it was not, then maybe he'd already be in Philly and Miami. Because I feel like, especially for Philly, they had to take that into consideration that they had to pay Kyle as well. Um, but, but yeah, is he is he reading the market wrong? Because let's face it, back in 2017, he 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 thought you know. Let, let's face it, I think he thought there was an opportunity with the Spurs, maybe another title contender, and that didn't work out. Obviously, it worked out well that the Raptors offered him three years, 100 mil. But would that be a wrong reading of the market? Yeah, and I think then that that then that ends up being is he does he have that strong relationship with the Raptors where they know they're just going to work something out in terms of a sign and trade like in terms of if they can find that team and, mm-hmm. and get them there but no you you could be right you could be right and and then in that case then he just comes back again and we just like <laughs> have like you said we just have this conversation again in a year so but yeah I don't know I guess the Raptors uh, kind of just punted this decision from like three months from now four months from now and uh, we're gonna be doing this again. Yeah, well, I uh, definitely look forward to it. It is a little awkward that we all <laughs> we all did these teary goodbyes and we had that like twenty five minute. He uh, did his own goodbye. He said goodbye <laughs> to the camera, and he did a twenty two hour Zoom with you guys. <laughs> yeah, which Alex, I'm surprised you didn't tune in for that one. Like, come on. What, yeah, well, TSN was, was broadcasting was it. He it was, it was oh, on like twelve second delay. You know, I, I saw Drake on Twitter before I saw it on TV. Unfortunately, yeah. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, there was a moment where he messaged me yesterday. He's like, yo, do you know that potentially we just asked Kyle his last two questions as a Raptor? And I'm like, damn, that's deep. Wow. And now we're going to have to like talk to him tomorrow and be like, hey, Kyle, how was your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> that's mad awkward for no reason, you know, but I mean, also, obviously please... I'm not complaining by any means, but it's just funny. That's all. Also, please don't ever mention uh, Kyle signing for like the mid-level with the Clippers. Come on, man. Kyle cannot... Go okay, to a franchise right. that has never that franchise has never won seen, two straight playoff series. All you yo, listen, the amount of times you tweeted about Surge, yo, you tweeted out in, in an alternate <laughs> universe. The, the Serge Ibaka will be having Giannis Adenokumbo on How Hungry Are You? And we will Raptor fans would make that the six month viewed uh video on uh you know on, on, yeah, on YouTube. Because those are good alternate universes, not Kyle Lowry on the Clippers. <laughs> come on man also when are we getting to matt thomas man that's actually why i'm here uh all right so obviously we have gotten to the most important part of the podcast which is why i brought on um a cricket v and but not actually vivek just actually alex who's cricket v in the call for some reason um but we have to talk about matt thomas man you know is the propaganda dead i mean obviously it is dead the propaganda has literally been has been moved to to utah um alex like how are you feeling like emotionally man the fact that we've we've lost uh our leader like are we gonna put him in a mausoleum like what's going on yeah well come on realistically we all know the propaganda died earlier in the season when nick nurse said that matt thomas was looking great in training camp and and could see him as part of the regular rotation yo by the way nick nurse has made that promise to every single player on the roster at this point And you wonder why the players are so mad at him sometimes. Anyways, um, 
no uh you know that dream that dream already died you know I, I feel like in the last few months whenever matt thomas has had these like spot appearances they're not even exciting anymore um like wow. like you know it's just it, you know so so you know i guess it was a tough end today um to see him go to utah but you know i look forward to him uh you know maybe getting a chance to to get some minutes off the bench um you know never underestimate the importance of a rudy gobert screen assists you know i think that two-man game has a lot of potential and you know we got two shots with norm on the blazers and matt thomas on the jazz uh two former raptors have a chance to knock the clippers out of the playoffs so i'm looking forward to that i love that at least half of the people including myself who sent the tweet to like have someone check in on alex could have just <laughs> yo my but instead just had to get the tweet off my my notifications have never blown up like that i'm like guys please leave me alone i've been trying to move off matt thomas for months <laughs> but oh, that's it man you're matt thomas lifer now you yeah can't, you can't uh, propagate like that no it's uh and then it's, just jump it's, off no, it's tough, but listen, man. They had to get rid of a couple guys who like had just fallen out of the rotation. So I thought they were going to get rid of Aaron Baines for sure. To be honest, no one's looking for Aaron Baines. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be a straight to waivers situation. I mean, <laughs> if they got another the center, contract. They, if they got another center. They probably could have done that, but I mean, whatever. It's, do you it's guys do you guys find it weird that do you guys find it weird that uh, they didn't really address the center position in any way? I don't think this was the plan they had. Like, I didn't think they planned to come out of this trade deadline with Kyle Lowry and Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> like, this, this, this is not what Masai woke up this morning and no, looked, it, at, it, looked at his Peloton it, and said, this is what I'm going to do today. Like, that's not what happened. It definitely feels like they were moving towards Kyle being traded as the final piece today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they got rid of Norm pretty early, got that piece of business, you know, out of the way. Mm-hmm. They They traded Terrence Davis. They traded Matt Thomas. And it seemed like, all right, they're they're clearing the roster space to take on maybe like three players. And then it just didn't happen. Yeah. Like, I think maybe the Raptors yeah. were, were just as surprised as ever, anyone else that the teams didn't meet their, their asking price. And again, I don't feel like the asking price was, was unfair, but we don't need to regurgitate that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised we moved off Matt Thomas. I can't believe Matt Thomas segment lasted like less time than Matt Thomas has played this season. Um, well, well, I will I say, say, you know, the best the best stat about Matt Thomas is, you know, he shot 100% from three in the only game seven that he played in, in a Raptors uniform. So, Bro, you, um, you sound like the Bane fan account. That's sort of, like, yeah, no, that's tough. I'm, All right, I'm, I'm moving I'm, off that then. I'm two tweets away from blocking <laughs> you. Um, no, no I, uh, I, I just wanted to, like, first off, okay, realistically, look, was there any chance for Matt Thomas to kind of maybe do something else with the Raptors? Because he did have one more year left on his contract. Obviously, signed for the minimum. Um, you know, it was concerning, absolutely concerning, when the Raptors had all those COVID absences and Matt Thomas still couldn't get off the bench. That was uh, that was real concerning. But, I mean, I think there is a faction of the fan base that thinks, you know what, Matt Thomas is being really underutilized. Uh, you know, Nick Nurse might have hampered his development. And, you know, from that front, do you at least sympathize a little bit with that thought? And maybe he breaks out on Utah or... Did you also watch the Sacramento Kings game where Corey Joseph uh, burned Matt Thomas like he was Allen Iverson versus uh, Antonio Daniels? No, listen, man. Matt, Matt, Matt Thomas's defensive deficiencies are very clear to see. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with Nick 
you know, putting him out of the rotation. Um, so, yeah, I think we talked about this a little yesterday, too. Like, they, they got to start setting the standard a little bit higher for bench guys because they literally don't have a bench right now. And I think it's good that they started moving guys that they just don't see the potential of today. And hopefully, you know, in the summer, um, you know, once they make the big decisions, um, they can really fill out that bench because that is like, I don't know, man, this got to be one of the worst bench units of all time. Right, V? Oh, my God. Yeah. And and again, to Matt Thomas getting kicked out of the rotation, like the roster imbalance is just crazy to me. The it, Like. It's just small guard after small guard after small guard. And Nick Nurse said this at the beginning of the season, and nothing mm-hmm. was really done to address it. And so it's kind of the situation that they're stuck with. And even you know now when Nick Nurse coming out of this All-Star break and everything was like, hey, I'm going to see what Malachi can give me, what Paul Watson can give me, and everyone kind of follows after that. I don't think that's something that's going to work the rest of the season where obviously now they're going to compete for a playoff spot. As long as Kyle Lowry is on this team, they're going to compete. And I just don't think that can work because the one thing we've learned is all those guys are going to be inconsistent. And they, they, they you know, there's going to be certain matchups where they might be okay. There's other matchups where it's not going to work out. And so I think every single game, I think Nick needs to just accept that he's going to have to search and whoever works on that night works. And it's quite possible that they weren't, won't work the next night. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's looking tough. I think my, my ideal situation coming out of this trade deadline was of course you, you know, you get fair value for Kyle and Norm and not just that, but you get multiple pieces for them just because I do think that the, the depth issue is so hard to ignore. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, for example, they came out of this trade deadline as a better team in terms of more competitive for this season. Uh, as as much as you could be high on on Gary Trent Jr., and I do like him, and we're definitely going to talk about that as well maybe at the end of the show. Um, you know, this is just to keep people listening. I know people tune in for the Gary Trent analysis. Sorry. Uh, we're going to keep going here. But, um, bro, the center position has been so bad. I've had friends asking about Jelani McCoy. <laughs> Yo, oh, I've been telling Will they need to get Amir Johnson from the G League. He's only 33. He's younger than George Hill, who uh, is going to put the Sixers over the top. Also, the other problem is like you keep asking OG to guard these guys, and OG is great at it, but you're asking a lot from him. Well, you're also asking him to play a position that he's probably not going to play at long term. Although maybe, who knows? Honestly, if OG can just turn into this, like the greatest, like Draymond Green, you know, like basically Draymond Green with some uh, offensive, like scoring ability. Which basically Draymond used to have, but of course he's fallen off now, uh, scoring wise. But if he can turn into that, then of course that's probably the best case scenario. But I, is that the long term plan? Is to sort of keep OG developing as a center? No. Then then you know if that's the case, then it is kind of awkward that uh, you just kind of continue to roll with this. I mean, who knows? They do have two open roster spots. Maybe they can get in the buyout market. I doubt they get Lamarcus. I doubt they get Andre Drummond. Um, and who else? I mean, honestly, it's like a Gorgie Jang, which people like. And honestly, he's I, I will take Gorgie Jang. I'm not complaining at this point. You know, like whoever, whichever big is available, the Raptors should take a look. He might be, hey, if the Raptors got him, he might be the best center on the team. He might start. No, he he would start, and we well, he would start. OG is better at center realistically, but he would be in the rotation absolutely. He would be in the rotation, and like the Aaron Baines is the worst center in the league right now. 
Um, less than <laughs> Alex Len. <laughs> I mean, if we're even having that that discussion, what are we doing? I, I'm telling you, I would have paid good money to watch the one-on-one open gym footage, exclusive one-on-one between Alex Len, Aaron Baines, uh, first to eleven secures the roster spot. Like, I, I, I literally need to see like that primal, like. Uh, in the in the in the Roman Colosseum level duel between the two of them, do you, you guys Yo. remember Alex Len talking about how happy he was to finally be part of a winning team, and then he oh comes here God. and they're like what two and eight and he's gone. Yeah, I mean, he also talked about oh yeah, we got we got some fucking tension in the locker room. Oh yeah, why did oh he say that? Man? Just but, he, yo, he, okay. He should have done what Utah did and just used a translator there. You could have been like, sorry, I only speak Ukrainian. <laughs> Aaron Baines versus Jamal McGlore right now, one-on-one in, in practice. Who's winning? I wouldn't even put money on that. It's too dangerous. <laughs> How old is Jamal wow. He's he, Is he 40? He's not 40, is he? Mr. Uncut Gems here is not willing to put money. <laughs> no, Mr. Uncut Gems is going straight to the savings account. <laughs> I'm going to collect my 0.003% interest. Uh, this guy's really no, uncut gems to the point in the tweets, but <laughs> subway coupons in the sheets, man. This guy's <laughs> don't believe Alex. Guys. Yo, I'm never coming on back to back nights. Um, no, I think it's honestly like I don't want to. We, we all saw that video this week of that kid trying to play against like Brian Scalabrini, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And you want Brian? Kid. It's like <laughs> listen. I know we're disrespecting Baines a lot, and honestly, we're just kind of providing. Um, analysis of exactly how he's played this year. But like, listen, Baines, Baines has obviously been an NBA player for a long time, but I just haven't seen anything this year, man. Like every time he checks in, the Raptors are like minus seven after two minutes, you know, yep. that's, that's all it is. You can't fight your own roster when you're trying to, the Raptors literally need to string together like five, six wins. And like soon, since they're not, you know, quote unquote tanking now. And since they're going to try to win, like the next three weeks, like they need to like be seven and three in their next ten games, bro. We've been like, saying this since, since the start of the season. No, but that's what I'm saying. Since but that's they started what I'm saying. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like it either needs to happen like now or that's it. Mm. Like like you're gonna be three or four games out if you keep playing at below five hundred. Like I don't care that you look at the standings and they're only like what four games out of fourth place. At some point, you have to actually make up those four games. And we know from watching like pre like Kyle Raptors, you know, we've seen those Raptors teams that are always five games out of the eighth spot. Like there's a reason why those teams are there all the time. Oh, bro. We're, we're literally going love- with a broken face right now. I love how the God. Bulls went all in and they're a game and a half ahead of the Raptors <laughs> at 19 and 24. The uh, East is a mess, man. Yeah, I have this theory, but um, this is so this is so fringe NBA basketball. But I have this theory that when European big men are able to uh, work dribble handoffs, they are like seen like sixty percent more valuable for some reason. I don't know. I I just don't see Nikola Vucevic as being that big of a factor for for Chicago. Maybe it, he is. I mean, it's not like Chicago gave up uh, a significantly worse player at the moment. I think Wendell has like a future, and he has. There's two first round picks and stuff like that, so it could work out for them in the future. But I just don't see that as like okay, now Chicago's for sure a playoff team because I just don't see like how that style of center really works that much in the modern NBA. Or maybe I'm just biased because I've seen the Raptors shut down Vucevic so often that I'm just like, that's you know, what that's what I was gonna say. West, bro. Marcus is out west. It's it's not a problem. 
Aaron Baines put the yo, Aaron, yo, listen, man. Aaron Baines had one of his best games of the season against Nikola Vucevic. This is true. This is right? true. So, but I mean, he 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 is an upgrade right now. Yeah, I guess so. But I'm just saying, like that's if that's an all-in move, I don't know. But by the way, the Orlando Magic. Shout out to the Orlando Magic. Like just a perpetual garage sale. Like literally, like down the street from me, there's always this, this like Portuguese man every weekend. He like pulls out everything in his garage, and I've never seen a single. And I literally lived like three houses down, so I can see him from my office window. And he has never made one sale in my in in the four years I've lived here. But Bro, every weekend, send, he send me the address. You, send me the address. You can see me there next weekend. Yeah, yeah. you got yeah. you got good two for one deals. You, you need patio furniture. <laughs> yeah sure why not man um, no i'm not even kidding this guy got like <laughs> snow tires from like 2002 and i'm like no one's gonna take that man just go to the garage down the street and just dump it there please like what anyway, did that's orlando, what orlando get, Magic's doing. what did orlando get for trading those three guys for real okay so they traded fournier for two second round picks which by the way i have to remind people that the magic once traded to get their GM, Jeff Waltman, from the Raptors for one second-round pick. So they're saying Evan Fournier, as a basketball player, is worth half as much as Jeff Waltman is as an executive, which was wild. Uh, and then The Aaron Raptors Gordon, traded Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis for two second-round picks. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and they, they got rid of Aaron Gordon, who was like the fourth pick. Obviously didn't fully pan out for them. Uh, never consistent enough and never really reached his potential. But like they got... You know, RJ Hampton and like a 2025 protected pick. Like, I don't know, man. That that franchise is really sad. They sold mm-hmm. on Aaron Gordon like probably at his lowest point. Like, they could have gotten yeah, yeah. a wild package like two years ago. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man. Orlando, <laughs> that, that that's just a tough, that's just a tough franchise, man. Like, they, they, they lucked into Shaq. They lucked into Dwight. Outside of that, it's just, it's just whatever. How are you going to rebuild a rebuild? Like, I don't know, bro. That's that's my question. Um, I mean, that used to be the Raptors. So that, that is true. Actually, you're, you're absolutely right. I know exactly how that goes. Um, the good news from today is that Terrence Davis got moved to Sacramento for a second round pick. That second round pick, by the way, is going to become way of Memphis, and that is the second round pick that they're going to be conveying in this year's draft. So. Probably somewhere in the 40s, which, like, obviously, mm-hmm. it's still hit or miss every time in the draft. But having said that, like, Norman Powell was, like, 40, 42 46, or 46? 46, yeah. So it could very well be the 46 pick. Uh, the, the the pick for Matt Thomas comes by way of, I believe, Golden State. And so uh, – and it's also going to convey this year. So those are both picks that the Raptors can be using in this year's draft that have some decent value. We're not talking about the 59th pick here. Um yeah, Terrence Davis getting moved to Sacramento. Uh, you know, V, I'll start with you, man. I mean, like, we had this conversation back in the offseason when the allegations came out and when the police reports were filed. Now, the, the court itself has dismissed some of those charges. There's some still existing and things like that. But admittedly, it was not pleasant to to talk about him. It was uncomfortable to talk about him. And I didn't think, honestly, having him on the team reflected the values that the Raptors had. So the fact that he's been um, sent off, plus the fact that he just legitimately played poorly, like honestly played with just no sense of real like plan or purpose in most of his possessions, offensively and defensively. He can score, sure, but there's a lot that he's taking off the table. And the fact that the Raptors even got a second round pick for him 
is a good bit of a business for me. And I, I'm probably not going to regret looking back on it. V, what was it like, honestly, just covering uh, Terrence this season? I mean, thinking back to the start of the season, it was frustrating, right? Like even when Bobby would come out and speak about it uh, and provide updates, it it was really nothing, right? They sort of washed their hands clean of it saying that, hey, I know the optics look bad and it's kind of awkward, but you know, the, the NBPA and the NBA, they're dealing with it. So we have to respect that. And we just keep hearing that over and over again. And so to your point, what the Raptors advertised themselves as that wasn't necessarily reflected in how this whole situation was handled. And I guess, you know, obviously in terms of the legalities of it and what they can do and what the NBPA and what the collective bargaining agreement allows them to do, maybe left them sort of stuck, but it's, it's good that we finally get to move on because even on the court, like he he was a huge negative this year. Uh, he was too one track minded and like even those few possessions where he'd get the ball to initiate a play and like the ball wouldn't touch anyone else, else's hands. And then defensively, you know, there wasn't really much there in his rookie season it seemed to get even worse this season. And so, yeah, uh, the Raptors will be better for it, this trade. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think I echo, uh, you know, I think V pretty much said it all. And I think, you know, especially when you talk about like the organization and, you know, the values that they preach um, and the things that they talk about publicly. And you even look at just like uh, how awesome like the all women's broadcast was that we watched mm. last night. Right. Which I honestly feel like, you know, I think, I think everybody on that broadcast got, got a lot of props and there's deservedly. So, but it, it was a little unfortunate that it was overshadowed by all the trade deadline stuff. Um, and, and, but like you look at that versus like, obviously all the conversations that we've had around Terrence Davis, I think just off the court. And then obviously like Vivek said with the on the court stuff, um, this was another player that wasn't part of the rotation and had fallen out of the rotation and it was good for them. It was good for them to to just clear some of those roster spaces and just start moving forward and finding new guys for for this roster. Yeah, which honestly, even if you want to take away the the bigger picture of of what it meant to have Terrence on the team, it was sort of like just strictly speaking with his basketball production this season, getting a second round pick for him is already a good basketball deal. Just based on that. Um, I'd rather take my chances with another guy in the next uh, draft in the forties than I would continuing to invest in Terrence Davis. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, 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 those are, that's probably the, I, I don't know the biggest highlight. I mean, it depends on what you guys think about the big trade that actually did happen, which was Norman Powell getting flipped for Gary Trent jr. And George Hill. Um, let's start with Gary Trent. Obviously he's the big piece coming back. What are we getting uh, with Gary Trent, I think maybe in comparison to someone like Norm, obviously it's not a direct one-on-one comparison, but they do play the same position. Um, and V, I'll start with you. Like, what do you think about just one-for-one talent-wise, production-wise? How do these two guys stack up between Norm versus Gary? Yeah, so, I mean, the positive is Gary Trent Jr. is a capable defender and he can shoot. He's shooting 40% from three right now. The big difference is Norm's ability to create a shot for himself. And so I think when you look at the overall weakness of this Raptors team and their overall inability to create in the half court, 
that's where, you know, even if Gary Trent Jr. might have a better overall package, the skill set that Norm provided for the Raptors was really valuable to this team. And so I don't know that they've necessarily become a better team right now. But as Masai said, he is someone that is 22, has a big upside, can continue to develop. He's going to be restricted. And hopefully you can maintain uh, the money and, and give yourself some solid flexibility. And then, you know, maybe he turns into another piece of the core. So it's it's almost like they've got a younger prospect in exchange for Norm uh, to kind of reset the clock a little bit at that position. And now it's just a question of uh, seeing what he can develop into. Yeah, you know, I think like like the Raptors just need guys like like Gary Trent right away. Like, I mean, does he even vault ahead of like Malachi Flynn as like the most interesting prospect on this team right now? Because there's really nobody else. And, you know, I was really impressed with the way that he played in the bubble. And the other thing is like we always talk about the Raptors development system, all this stuff about all these guys who develop. So, you know, I think it's good for the Raptors to get someone like that. They obviously made the decision on Norm's free agency today, you know, by 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 knowing that, you know, there was going to be a huge market for him, which uh, shout outs to the Pacers, apparently willing to overbid anyone this summer for Norman Powell. What does <laughs> Nate Bjorgren know, man? Um, so, but like, yeah, you know, I, I think, I do think I am a little concerned like V because like for all you can say about like Norm's defensive flaws and like, the flaws in his game. The Raptors have struggled to score so much this season. And Norm has been such a stabilizing force on the offensive end in terms of just getting them the 20 points a game that they desperately need. Taking that out of the equation now, you're going to have to make it up at the other places. And, you know, we're still looking at a roster that's that's really thin. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do agree with the depth. In terms of just Gary himself as the player, I think... He does bring a slightly different skill set than Norm. Um, I would say he's not nearly as good as attacking the basket as Norm is. And I think that's probably a big reason why Portland made this flip was I think they have plenty of shooters to stretch the floor. But if you think about how many guys can like punch it to the rim, CJ can drive to the rim. Dame can drive to the rim. But like the rest of the guys, you know, you're not looking at Covington to drive to the rim. Melo. You know, he's a little older now. He's not really going to bully his way to the basket. He's probably going to post up and shoot a, a contested floater or something like that. Someone who can actually catch the ball in rotation and attack the basket. That's normal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the number one skill set that he has probably over Gary Trent. I would say both of them are probably equivalent shooters. I would say, obviously, I think Norm has a longer track record. But when you look at the way Trent shoots, it doesn't look like... Honestly, he... Norm has, you know, because his arms are a little longer, I think his his form looks a little bit more pronounced. I think uh, Trent's form is, you know, a little bit more natural. That doesn't mean anything about the results itself. I think Norm has proven to be a better shooter slightly historically. But, um, I mean, Trent is shooting 40% on threes on 7.5 attempts. I do worry about, like, how the Blazers get a guy like Gary Trent Jr. shots as compared to how the Raptors would generate that same shot. Because obviously with the Blazers, so often what you're seeing is Dame Lillard attacking and pick and roll with the floor completely spread. Sometimes they don't play a center and they'll play like Melo at center or like Robert Covington at center that, you know, 
there's going to be traps and then guys rotate the ball and the ball swings over to, you know, Trent in the corner, for example, and he knocks it down, which is not to say the Raptors don't generate open corner threes or that Trent necessarily can't play the same style in the Raptors offense. But I do think the Raptors offense, obviously there's not that one dominant, dominant pick and roll player like Dame. So there's more ball movement. You know, you might need Trent to use his handle a little bit more. He might have to sometimes operate as a second hand, a second dairy ball handler the way Norm kind of did. And if you kind of plug it into Norm's role, I don't know if he'll be as effective scoring. I'm probably a little bit certain he's not going to be as effective scoring-wise. But I do think you do get a little bit more defensively. And I saw this point made by some Blazers fans that Trent, even though he is a guy who is who has a reputation for being a defender, and he was, like generally speaking, the top of the floor guarding the big, uh, the, you know, the, the point guards, shooting guards, tough defensive assignments. He was on those guys, but. He was a little bit like Avery Badley in the sense of like you see the guy apply tons of ball pressure. You see the guy working really hard. You never question his effort, but the results are always slightly a little bit less than what you think you are ultimately seeing. It doesn't fully pass. It's not that he's a bad defender, but it doesn't fully pass the eye test with flying colors um, in that same way. And so having said that though he's 22 years old he's restricted i think he could probably be re-signed for less than norm and if you were going to move norm you needed a shooting guard and trent is that guy my only question is really just like do you think v like do you think there was a package out there that maybe featured two picks for norman powell for example a first and a second um Mm. and would you have preferred that uh as compared to someone like trent because the raptors obviously had apparently like 12 different teams show interest right I mean, I think just because of the way the roster is constructed right now, there had to be a player involved. You had to get something back. Uh, I mean, especially now when you look in hindsight and realize that the Kyle deal didn't go through. Uh, So I'm glad they got a player back. If you could have got, you know, a a second round pick to go along with it, that would have been great. Uh, But I think it's okay. I think the question I have is, how much of a difference are we going to see in the pay for Gary Trent Jr. and Norman Powell? And do you guys think that trade then makes it worth it? Like, do you think there's enough of a difference there? Yeah, I think that's a really... I don't even know what the market would be for Gary Trent this summer as a restricted. Like, are we talking about $12 million, 15? Like, I, I can't imagine... Is reasonable. Even... Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I can't imagine it being any higher than that. Um but yeah like if norm I, got 18 are yeah. you still happy i think norm's getting 20 plus is the thing <laughs> <laughs> who's giving norm 20 plus though the indiana pacers literally said yesterday they're willing to outbid the entire field <laughs> why didn't like, we trade it with the indiana pacers then yo like let's get miles turner back or something let's, let's get tj mcconnell over here for joe Wolf. now that i would have loved if there was a way to work Norman Powell into a deal to get Miles Turner or get a Rashawn Holmes, that would have been amazing. But right, uh, I, I doubt that that was available. Turner like would have solved so many problems. Oh my god! And I don't even think <laughs> Turner is that like out of this world amazing. I think the idea of him as a three and D center, I think he is legitimately great defensively. Offensively, I still do have some concerns. I would rather him like. You know, play a yeah, little more fair. rolling and stuff like that. Um, I understand that there's you know a lack of spacing sometimes when they're playing two centers, and he has to space out. But um, yeah, I mean that that would have made more sense to me in terms of roster building. But again, I do think that this comes back to the central theme of just like I don't think the Raptors 
things I don't think today went according to plan in that same way. But ultimately, you do get Gary. Um, I'm excited to watch him. I actually think he's a really fun player to watch. I think he's going to be a fan favorite because uh, he defends hard. He really gets into the ball. Really competitive, really active guy. Um, you know, he's shown like an actual skill set in scoring, like 15 points. You don't just get the 15 points only catching and shooting. Uh, he doesn't have that much of a game outside of the catch and shoot three. I think that's his most viable skill. But you know, he's 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 shown a little bit more of the handle. He's shown a little bit more of the play creation himself, running the occasional pick and roll, things like that. And I'm I'm interested to see how he develops. I, I'm I'm not complaining about this move in the abstract i'm just curious what other moves uh, this could have been compared to do you think there's anything there with rodney hood mm, it's just too much of an injury history for me man i like, think i think he's gonna help them like the next couple months because they they could literally use anybody coming off the bench <laughs> right now like rodney hood's in the top seven i'm pretty sure you know he, like, he passes the six points right test he, he can do six yeah points. he definitely passes he could get you 30 um, okay, not every night in, in a week <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i think i think talking about ronnie hood's importance is as much a state on the raptors roster than ronnie hood right now well look listen if they really want to make a playoff push or whatever right because let's say you, you're keeping kyle so you might as well try to win uh which you know to be honest that is still a question like they could still continue to choose to lose somehow and um you know get into a, a lottery seating spot or whatever. But if they choose to push and stuff like that, they're going to need to look at some of these guys. And honestly, if you had to win a game tomorrow, are you playing Rodney Hood or Paul Watson? Yeah, of course you're playing Rodney Hood. And and the thing with Trent too is like, I hope, I'm, I assume he's going to get consistent minutes on this team. Like I don't want Nick to yeah. put him through that thing where he's in and out. Because they, they got to give him a really close look these next couple months. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he slides into Norm's spot though. So I don't, I don't think the Raptors need to change the starting five, for example, like they could put Mm -hmm. Trent into that small ball five. And he is a little bit like Norm in the sense that he's a little undersized to play small forward, but he gets, I would say he gets involved more defensively than Norm did. And so I, I kind of feel comfortable with that. And in terms of like, when you notice when the Raptors did have that small ball five, Norm's usage did come down. The, the nice thing with Norm, the beautiful thing with Norm is that even on low usage, he's still high efficiency. So it can still get you close to 20 points. And I'm curious to see if the same would apply in that role for Trent. But um, but I, I still anticipate him starting and so that. And yeah, Rodney, the way they're talking about him right now in the in the in the trade call with Masai that, you know, seems like they actually want to put him in the rotation, which is, uh, of course he'll be in the rotation. He's better than every bench guy on the Raptors right now, except Boucher. (laughs) Honestly, this conversation is kind of taking me back to the draft where I'm like, yeah, Malachi Flynn might turn out to be a good player or a really good player. Maybe. (laughs) Yo, do you remember the hype we had on Flynn heading into the season? Come on, man. Yo, for real. But we were, we were worse. We were hyping up more than his dad. Well, by the way, yo, by the way, Malachi Flynn's dad was punching air at 3.15 p.m. when Woj tweeted that Kyle was staying. He was probably looking at his son, Malachi, like, yo, you're a backup point guard now. You're going to take over this team. All of a sudden, Kyle's still here and Malachi, you know, he's still going to just be like a basically a premium Pat McCaw at this point in terms of his offensive role. But yeah, I feel like depending on how this offseason goes, you kind of have to look at that first round pick and say... Roster construction wise, was it the smartest thing to do 
to go out and get another really small point guard. Did you feel like yeah. Malachi was smaller than like advertised? Because people are like, he was 6'3", and then you watch... I, I don't know. There's something about watching a college game where guys just look a little bit bigger. And then they mm. get to the NBA, you're like, oh my god. Like, he definitely <laughs> looks undersized. Yeah. Like It's like if you NBA. shop for clothes on Amazon. You're like, alright, you know, large, click. Yeah. And he, it shows up and it's like, why is this a small? This is a large <laughs> made in China. And it's like, oh, okay, word. That's, that's different. People have been there shaped differently. Man, this whole conversation has made me realize that today was really underwhelming. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. Raptors, and the Raptors are still bad. I feel like we had this like adrenaline of like the emotional side of all of us was like, all right, we understand that Kyle probably needs to go. And then once it crept up to 3 p.m., we were all like, nah, 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 we got to keep this going. And like we got a little <laughs> bit of a high off that. And now that we're going through the roster, I can't believe I'm going to watch Aaron Baines again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is tough this is, this is tough but that's that's the whole season man honestly that's just this whole season it just the season needs to end mm. all right what, what do we what do we how about this let's wrap with some favorite norman powell moments because obviously norm was the second longest mm. tenured raptor in toronto drafted in 2015 with the 46 overall pick thank you um the milwaukee bucks for trading us gravis or accepting gravis vasquez giving us uh, Norman Powell and uh, OG Anobi. Norm went on, obviously, to uh, famously earn the nickname Buck Hunter after uh, beating the Bucks twice in 2017 and 2019. Uh, v, I'll start with you, man. Some just Let's just go in a circle and just list like favorite Norman Powell moments because there's there's a few. Well, I'll start with the the obvious one. Uh, Pacers, Game 5. I mean, that that dunk, bro. To, like, for him to be in the 905 earlier that season and then emerge as like part of the rotation and then defend Paul George and have that moment. Like that was insane. The ACC was insane in that moment. Like Toronto was bumping. It was just a crazy moment. And obviously he's had more moments since. Uh, So yeah, that one for me, we got to talk about that one for sure. Yeah. That's gotta be, that's gonna be all timer because like that's honestly such a huge moment in this whole era, right? Like like without without Norm in that game, you know, the sequence of events don't happen for the Raps to to win a championship a few years later. To be honest, mm-hmm. they probably um, rebuild because so, they would have been down three one to the Pacers, and they would have lost. They would have lost in five. They they would have lost that series for sure, and that that's coming off like what the Wizards sweep the previous yep. year. Yep. So. Yeah. When when I think Masai, honestly, I, I was shocked. I don't know about you guys. I was shocked Masai didn't make any moves after that. But um, yeah, you know, Norm. I think one of the moments, and I'm sure Will, you'll have like other good, like really encore moments. Like I don't know if you guys remember, like at the arena because it's so long ago. Like Norm after his pregame warm up would always clear the room in the tunnel mm-hmm. and, and run. run to the locker room. Like he yeah. had this like yeah. signature thing that he used to do. And I don't know, man, I think less, less like the specific on-court moments, which we all know, and I'm sure you guys would agree too. Norm was just honestly one of the best guys to just deal with. Yeah, great um, dude. To, to mm, me, great to dude. me, he's, to me, he's up there with Fred. I think Fred's a much better quote um, in terms of things that, that Fred, you know, is willing to kind of open up and talk about. Norm, I think, is more careful about what he shares with the media, etc., but, you know, for me, like Norm's just always been a, a great guy to deal with from from a media standpoint. So I, I do want to call that out, too. 
he's been really friendly. Like in my experiences, like since covering the team, you know, he's always been open to talking after practice, whatever it is. And so, yeah, I think it's important to shout that out. And, you know, while I agree that he's not the quote that Fred is, like you think back to the bubble and the way Fred and Norm Mm -hmm. were speaking on all the issues Mm -hmm. surrounding, you know, when the George Floyd murder happened uh, and everything that was happening around that, like he spoke so well in those moments and he emerged as a leader of that team. Like he embraced being a leader of the bench unit and like he, like Pascal, like Fred, maybe he was, you know, on, on the court, he wasn't producing like them, but off the court, you could see they, they had all become young leaders on this team. So definitely want to shout that out. And then, you know, you, you talk about off court. It, it, this is more of a Rondé moment, but I'm not your child. Like when Ooh, Norm took it. Yes. Like I forgot about that. Damn. That was a classic. That's a classic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And look, listen, Norm off the court has like tremendous moments just as, as he does on the court as well. But, you know, I think the, the side that people don't necessarily see um, that I, I guess us as media get the privilege of seeing is sort of like just um, like how, again, as you guys mentioned, like how easy it was to work with. Um, and you just appreciate how much of a pro he was because like I don't think anything was necessarily handed to Norm. Do you know what I mean? As a second round pick, didn't really, it's not like anybody was necessarily gifted with any minutes or things like that. The Raptors pretty much make everybody earn it. So, bro, they would start Damari Carroll ahead of him. Bro. I know. There was like, exactly, right? They started like Damari, who honestly, CJ Miles for a little bit too, no? Like, to be honest, CJ was doing better in that bench role than Norm. I understand there. But I mean, Norm got passed over for, Nor- for OG in the starting spot. Norm got passed over multiple times i mean if you will go back and look at some of the game logs in the finals pat mccaw played ahead of norman powell many of those mm. games which is wild um and then last season obviously norm coming off the bench this season norm starts coming off the bench like you know and whatever man i mean ultimately i would i, I wouldn't disagree with that as a basketball decision i'm just saying that i appreciated the professionalism that norm took to that job did you yeah. ever hear norm complain about his role did you ever hear norm complain about i need this i need that nothing Right. Like Norm has just been like a consummate pro through all of that. He's taken what his role has been and expanded it to the point where he made himself a 20 point per game score. Like who could have saw that happening? And he was shooting like 65 true shooting from the field. It, it's it, it, like, honestly, I have so much respect for a guy who says, understand the grind. Like it takes a real grind to get to that point. Um, and then the, the, you know, the other moments are just like the Osmos commercial. I mean, what a transition, but like, did Norm Elk successfully convince either of you to eat Osmos? Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, man. Hey, man, Fred. Come on, man. What? Who, are you talk- who oh. do you think you're talking to, man? Oh, shit. <laughs> I almost <laughs> went today. I almost went today out of sadness. How man. many people um, do you think went to Osmos today for Norm? <laughs> Probably a lot. I definitely had a few people message me saying, I went to Osmos today to mourn. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's a little bit too serious. Um, uh, don't forget Norm, uh, double, uh, was it double overtime? Game six against the Celtics last yep, year, too. He was yep. huge in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, we won't talk about the Norm Marcus Smart, uh, you know, sequence in Game Seven. Hey man, listen, like, nobody, nobody was scoring. It's not his fault. No, it's definitely not his fault. Um, and honestly, even most recently, him stepping to Colin Sexton because he was being disrespectful to Fred. You know, you mm-hmm. want to talk about like leadership and things like that. Um, you know, I think a lot of teammates would do that. Um, but like Norm did that. Like no, and and like Norm, like 
I think Will, like you were describing too, he just carried himself along with Fred, like a young vet on this team. Yeah. Because Norm is not old. Like he's just entering the prime of his career. And, you know, I, I remember just having conversations. I remember one conversation I had with him during his, his rookie year. And he talked so much about just how great it was to work with DeMar. And how DeMar was like taking him under his wing. And, you know, he, you know, DeMar was telling him like, you can't read all the headlines, you know, but if you do, like you have to take all of that negative stuff that you read and use it as motivation. And I really think like Norm does come from like that DeMar DeRozan, like Kobe Bryant type of approach, um, you know, in the way that he he works at his game and improves. So I don't know, man, it's, it's just one of those things when, when a guy is drafted by the organization and comes through the system and you see the way that he grows, I think it just makes it a little bit harder to say goodbye than if it was like a free agent who came by. Yeah. And I think, honestly, Norm developed himself into such a likable dude as well. Like, you know, I think everyone, honestly, if it wasn't for Marcus All, like Norm was like the, actually, you know what? The top three of most lit people in that, in that parade, Mark, obviously number one, number two, Kyle Lowry's wife, I don't know if you guys remember, but Kyle Lowry's <laughs> wife was going in, man. Yo. And I followed that parade for like four hours, okay? I saw like she she I saw her get tired over the course of that four hours. But she had a lot of energy. Uh but no, I remember like she was line. like throwing down she was like throwing down beers for the crowd and then she yeah, would yeah, like yeah. force them to chug with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. It's amazing. Shout out Kyle's wife. <sighs> the queen. But um yeah, Norm was real lit on that thing. And I remember, like, even being in Oakland, like, in the locker room and stuff like that. Like, I was right beside Norm as he, like, poured a whole bottle of champagne. I tweeted that video out. Uh, like, this, he was obviously so happy, man. He started pretending to – he started, like, pretending to be a city TV reporter and was asking us, like, boring-ass questions, you know? <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel to be overlooked because you're in Canada? <laughs> no, Norm. Norm's just a good dude, man. Norm's He's a, good a great dude, dude man. Great commercials too. You guys got favorite? Obviously, Osmo's commercial is number one, but Norm's and other commercials. Do you guys remember some of the uh, the Ford commercials? Him and OG were in things like that. Oh yeah, I don't remember. It's the oh, yeah, I only remember the Osmo's ones now. It's the drive test with OJ Anobi and Norman Powell. He actually had his first commercial was OJ uh, Norman Powell was uh, in the passenger seat and Corey Joseph was driving a Ford Focus, which is so unrealistic, bro. Putting an NBA player in a Ford Focus, I, I saw, maybe it was like an Uber or something, but other than that, NBA players are not driving Ford Focuses. In any case, Corey Joseph was driving a Ford Focus through downtown Toronto and showing Norm all these places. And making corny jokes like, you Americans probably call it the CNN Tower, but it's the CN Tower. And I'm like, Corey, bro, what? All right, man. This just again goes back to, listen, man, Canadian advertisers just hit the three of us up, man. Like, it's time. It's time to raise the standard of these commercials. (laughs) It's no, it's time, man. It's time. Like, it's just time. Like, like there needs to be Raptors writers on these commercials because they're just not hitting. That's not hitting for you. Remember, do you guys remember Norm's GoDaddy commercial? Yes. On the piano? Yes. On the piano? Yeah. Oh, that that right. cursed him for two years. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he didn't break out, man. He, he started getting really good when GoDaddy left him alone. What was the catchphrase? It was something like, no problem for me? Yeah. Something like that? Man. Yeah. I think it's... Yeah. I don't know, man. Shell to Norm. Now, now, now I'm starting to miss him a lot. Bro, I miss all the guys, <laughs> man. Like, honestly, all the championship guys, when they leave, like, I miss them. Because I think I just... Like, it just is another reminder of, like, that like constantly moving into the background 
as time goes by and like with norm like he didn't even have that many like like realistically in the championship team like he didn't have that many encore moments but just in classic norm fashion like any moments he had were like mad memorable like when he came in to game three right remember like that game like you know the raptors obviously had to win they were down 0-2 right uh and you know they were getting nothing from the bench at that point all right this the sixer series i mean no one was doing anything off the bench and then in that game three, like Norm came out and he had like 18 points, I think. He ended up fouling out on some BS call, but like Norm was huge and he was really good in that game four as well. So the Raptors were allowed to uh, come back in the series, you know, thanks in large part to Norm and also Fred. I mean, Fred obviously is a bigger guy who turned it around, but Norm was a huge part of that, you know? Yeah. And last no, year in the, against the Nets, man, this guy, this guy torched uh, Chris Josie and. Uh, he did torch Chioza. <laughs> um, no, you can't talk about this era without mentioning all of Norm's big moments. Like, I think that's the best yeah. thing you can say about him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you talk about all the moments that add up to the championship. Like, Norm's got a handful of them. And Will, I know you wrote this. Like, outside of Kawhi and Kyle on the championship run, like, he's had as many big moments as anyone over the course of the, the playoffs that he's been in. Yeah. And and maybe that just speaks to the fact that, like, you never fully expected anything consistent from Norm. So, like, let's say DeMar makes, like, a tough turnaround two against the Heat in game six or something like that. You know, you probably just look at it, okay, that's part of his job. Whereas if Norm did that, you'd be like, wow, remember when Norm did that? But, yeah, like, mm. but it's true, though. Like, 2016, that dunk, that, again, you can't say enough about the fact that when you were in the building, this is where, this is when you're talking about home court advantage and stuff. Game five, obviously, home court, you're, you're in at your home floor. The building went nuts. I don't think I ever heard anything like that. I remember like leaving that arena, sitting at the TTC, going home, and my ears were ringing, man. Like still, and I was like already at like you know young, uh, blower and young by that point, but, but and my ears were still ringing like from the ACC. Like that remember dunk was that explosive. how close the ball came to slipping out when he was going for the dunk. He jumped too oh early. That's God. the thing. He got nervous. He jumped too early, and that's why he did this weird like parabolic. Uh, trajectory where you you don't really see guys dunk like that but that, that, that dunk was one of the most hype moments and honestly bro like literally nobody could guard paul george that whole game and we went from the 60 million dollar man damari carroll getting benched for the second round pick rookie and norm powell actually came in and did that like a 12 nothing run obviously mostly kyle larry and Corey joseph actually did that but norm with that dunk at the end was just so crazy and the raptors like literally that dunk doesn't happen the raptors lose in that first round and there is no, like, greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry, because he's probably moved. You know what I mean? Like, the, all these things probably happen. And... Yeah, Dwayne's gone, and they probably, uh, maybe they get Mike Budenhoser then. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the best thing you can say about Norm, man. Like, at the end of the day, second round pick, 46th pick, you cannot look at what he did with the Raptors and say you had higher expectations uh, from a second round pick from a 46 pick. There's no way you could expect more than what he's produced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's my size greatest trade, man. I mean, I guess you throw Kawhi up there, but and Mark, but wow. that's the wildest trade that turned out for, for the Raptors. Shout to Norm, man. So, so Matt Thomas getting a second round pick from Utah. That's not making the top, <laughs> top five Masai Jiri trades. Yo, we ended that 30 <laughs> minutes ago, man. I'm, I'm looking up Rodney Hood right now. Yeah. yeah, no, people need to know what the propaganda is right now. I mean, we kind of had Utah propaganda, but then he that got ended really quickly. 
we're basically the Nick Nurse of propaganda. We've cycled through every person. Yo, we tried. <laughs> we tried with everybody. I made a super cut of DeAndre Bembry's superb cuts. And no. then he got taken out of the rotation. I, I put 30 I tried Jalen Harris. I tried Jalen Harris for two weeks, but realized guys actually need to play. <laughs> yeah. Like you, oh man. No, man. It's all on hold, man. Like 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 Masai said, like we're just gonna get back to Toronto and get back to kicking ass when we're here. Like this, I mean, I guess the season so, is tough. I, I don't know this though. Do you tough. just expect like magically things kind of come back to normal? No, but I'd also expect them to revamp their roster completely this offseason. Well, you would have thought the they would have done that at the, at the trade deadline, man. People kept saying things like, you know, Grange. Grange said the, the deal was on the one-yard line. And, and, you know, Malcolm Butler must have been the, the GM on the other side. Like, All right, man. We don't need your <laughs> NFL reference. I, I know I know six things that happened in the NFL, and that's one of them. I'm always so shocked when you tweet anything outside of basketball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Man, now yeah, damn. Now I'm I'm mad confused. You guys, I don't know. What, no, now after talking to you guys, I feel so underwhelmed. <laughs> I, 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 it's been like six hours since the trade deadline ended, and I'm <sighs> still very confused. But you know, look. Ultimately, the bottom line is we get to cover Kyle. We get to watch this team. Still, I mean, look, listen, man. If that Denver game was any indication, there's still a lot of good uh, effort in this team. It maybe takes. It might take Kyle and Norm walking out that door to inspire that effort, but still, that effort was good. And um, we get to see Norm pretty soon, by the way, man. Norm plays the the Raptors play the, the Portland Trailblazers Sunday. on Sunday, so yeah. we'll get to see Norm instantly. This isn't going to be a Danny Green situation, you know. Oh man, so. no, get the Gerald, get the Gerald Henderson award ready, man. Come on, bro. I'm not giving it to. <sighs> <Man. laughs> Yo, can you imagine the fallout from that game if Norm puts like twenty five on Gary Trent Jr., who has like twelve, which is totally possible, by the way. Uh, I can totally yeah. imagine that this People season. People are gonna especially. flip. But oh you know. man, Norm. Yo, I mean, part of I think I, I honestly think part of why Norm goes off on the Bucks is because of the fact that they traded him, right? And <laughs> I would not be surprised if he is looking at that game and saying. He's he's gonna come out, man. I think I think he's just gonna he's gonna really come out for that one. Who's guarding Norm? We got it. Come on, we never thought about this before, but who's guarding Norm? Yo, they should put Fred on him. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun for sure. <laughs> That's yeah, what Norm, I want. Norm's see. gonna turn into Colin Sexton this time. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna look at Fred like, "Yo, you took my contract." <laughs> Yo, legit. They need to beat Phoenix tomorrow and Portland on Sunday. Like these are must wins. Every game this season has been a muscle win, bro. I'm scared because we got Detroit again. You know, you know that's another L on Monday. <laughs> Yo, the scariest part is Detroit did not get rid of Wayne Ellington. Oh my god, mm. still on that team, man. Man, Masai, there's not a lot I, of games left. Damn, it's tough. It's tough. What, what is it? Twenty eight games. Yeah, twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, listen, the Raptors aren't that far out of the playoffs, so it's still possible, but. Um, I've kept both of you guys long enough. So, Alex V is good to talk to both of you guys again. When was the last time the three of us talked, man? At the same time, man, was it like po- when we were know. playing poker? Like, in, in, was this in the Poker Stars chat room? Like, what happened? <laughs> the yeah, night probably. Kawhi came back to Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, come on, bro. Don't say that, man. <laughs> come on. Man. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Alex? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> All right, wrap, wrap it up so we can talk off air. <laughs> yeah, you're really sick. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening. I appreciate 
uh all the listeners obviously i i don't want to say i apologize for like um maybe incorrectly assuming kyle's leaving i think there were plenty of signs but in any case kyle's still here there's still a good team here they could still try to compete with this team is it the right move i will we'll see honestly we will see um it's pretty confusing this is a very confusing outcome of the trade deadline but you know, it's hard to explain most of what happens in the world nowadays. So thanks everyone for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow to recap uh, Raptors' sons. I can't wait. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.